0: Hello, and welcome to Wild and Theology. My name is Will, and this is my co-host and good friend, Kaylee. Hello. Today, we are going to be talking about the problem of creepy men.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: (laughs) Before we get into that, though, here are are our social medias. (laughs)
1: we are on instagram and twitter at wild and theology please follow us and dm us if you have any questions comments or suggestions yeah yeah
0: we would love to have them so so we're getting it into it this is gonna be a, i'm really excited about this are you yeah, yeah i'm actually, kind of nervous <laughs> really why <laughs> i don't know okay
1: i'm just a little giddy right now okay. i don't know why okay
0: okay <laughs> i uh i actually thought i actually like came up with this idea uh while i was on the plane Mm. uh coming home from saskatchewan and uh i can't remember what triggered it but something triggered and i just like got on this like huge tangent in my mind as i'm sitting there on the plane and uh this entire podcast basically came from this conversation i was having with myself in my head
1: whoa during that time was it were you having a conversation with the creepy man in you
0: yes (laughs) and no
1: Yes and no, yeah. Like, like the idea of that yeah. existing in you, not that it actually is.
0: Well, I had I had a conversation with the creepy man within myself, mm-hmm. but also, oh, there's like a creepy man inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of there! <laughs> that fits. <laughs>
1: and, uh, that fits.
0: Yeah, um, and uh, but also like as the creepy man talking to people, like asking for empathy.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm.
0: and so. To begin, I I kind of wanted to talk about what I exactly mean by creepy men,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. right? And I am specifically talking about those men who have issues engaging in sexual or romantic interactions with women in a way that is respectful. Mm -hmm. So to be more specific, this can be a guy who, you know, stares at women for too long, um, who doesn't get the hint that you're not interested, who says things that make you uncomfortable, or who even just has a creepy or weird vibe around him. Mm -hmm. And I know that last one is kind of vague, but these are the men who, for whatever reason, just don't seem to get it.
1: Mm -hmm. They
0: just don't seem to know what to do or how to be.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's much more subtle. Like maybe they're not staring or making comments necessarily, Mm -hmm. but it's like an energy that they bring into interactions with, with women that they might find attractive or Women in general, yeah, assuming they're heterosexual, I guess.
0: So, yeah, this of course is going to be um, heterosexual men and all women because, of course, homosexual women can also be at the creepiness of creepy men, yeah. Um, but I think that, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that statement, they just don't know what to do, really captures what I see as a fundamental misunderstanding in how we should approach these men, and I think we tend to assume that creepy men are dangerous men or are at the very least intrinsically bad, that they have bad intentions in what they're doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want to be very, very clear that I don't think creepy men are just, you know, misunderstood, awkward guys who wouldn't harm a fly. I don't think that's always or even usually the case. I think it's a very complex issue with many nuances where such men th- can't be easily divided into good or bad. It's never going to be that simple. hmm I mean, if you've listened to our Spiral Dynamics Red podcast, you heard us talk about the nice guy. And so just to briefly cover that, the nice guy, air quotes, is a guy who is only nice to women because he thinks that's what will get him a girlfriend or late. Mm. His intentions may simply be that he's romantically interested in a woman, right? There's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But I think it's accurate to say that his reasons for being nice are manipulative. Mm. He has ill intent because he intends to manipulate her. Even a guy who is outwardly a really sweet guy is one of these creepy men because he is manipulative. You know, it might be mostly unconscious, but by agreeing to things he wouldn't agree to, by going out of his way to do things for her, the list goes on. He is creepy because the only reason he is doing it is because he thinks that's what will get him the romantic or sexual attention he desires, rather than being upfront and honest about his intentions. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that he's hiding his true self, and his true feelings, because he thinks that's what will get him what he wants. Mm -hmm. And that's all assuming, of course, that he isn't one of these nice guys who freaks out and calls her a slut, or any number of horrible things as soon as he finally works up the courage to ask her out and is, as you can guess, rejected. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And so we go deeper in that Spiral Dynamics Red episode, but my point is simply that even an outwardly sweet guy can still be one of these creepy men and so again i get that the men i'm talking about aren't just harmless nerds who don't know how to talk to women Mm -hmm. using a false persona to get laid or get a girlfriend is manipulation that's not harmless to say the least however with all of that being said i still think it's true that we aren't approaching these men in the right way Mm -hmm. you know so before we continue i want to ask everyone listening to please set aside your own perspective and to try to see through the perspective of a creepy man. Mm. Imagine what the world looks like to him Mm. and why that might lead him to act in the ways he does. If we want to solve this problem, we need to understand how he perceives himself, women, and reality.
1: Mm -hmm. I I just, as you were speaking, I imagined like, okay, I'm going to put on my creepy man glasses. (laughs) I'm looking through the eyes of a creepy man. Yeah, yeah. Onto the world. It's not hard to do.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting.
0: Why don't you think it's hard to do?
1: I don't know, because, uh, maybe because I'm not entirely straight. (laughs)
0: Oh, okay, okay. Uh, (laughs) I would be like, oh, and I
1: could see how, I don't know, I could see how delightful the world must be. Yeah. And how much one, I feel like, I feel like it's hard to be a man. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I don't know what it's like, but I feel like from what I understand, the sexual urge is strong. And yeah. there's, like, a lot of... Like, I mean, for the men I am I know, I guess, it just seems like... I don't know. It, it's weird because it's something that's been demonized. I don't know if I want to say... Hmm. Not demonized. That sounds really intense. But, yeah. like, this whole narrative of toxic masculinity has really made it, like, seem like a scary thing to be a man experiencing sexual desire. Right. You know? And, right. and, and like... But I, I just think it speaks to the, it's a really strong force yeah. within men and the human mm. race in general. Yeah. Like the thing that propels us forward, this evolution to procreate. But I don't know, it seems a lot more like visceral than mm. than I can imagine it being. Like from what I've, yeah. I, I've like tried to put, I, this isn't the first time I've tried to do the mind experiment of like what it must be like to be a man. Yeah. Looking out onto the world right. and, and like how hypersexualized the world is these days. Yeah, yeah. Sex is everywhere. Sure. Like, what must it be like to be constantly exposed to all this erotic stimuli mm-hmm. and have to, like, navigate that with all these biological urges pushing you around and stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, whatever the reasons might be, like, whether it's biological or cultural or both, mm-hmm. you know, it's really the yeah, both Yeah, it's an and. interaction, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I've heard of studies where um, they found that men respond more to visual cues, whereas women respond more to narrative cues, Mm. right? And so, like, a woman would be far more interested in in reading a story about, like, some, like, sexual-based story, whereas a man just wants to watch some porn, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not to say that, like, women don't like watching porn Mm -hmm. or men don't like reading sexy novels or anything like that. It's just, like, there's... When we look at large populations of people, there's a bias for this population toward visual media and a bias of this population toward... Uh, narrative media, mm-hmm. right? And so when we look at how we've structured society based on even that small little bias between the two populations, the two sexes, mm-hmm. we can see how things are going to be propelled more one way or more the other way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so in in, in what, another way I've heard about this is uh, I think this was in the book Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan, where he was talking about this trans man, a, a, a trans man, a woman to man, mm-hmm. uh, transgender person who started taking testosterone and he found that his mental dialogue about the people he was attracted to changed from when he was had you know the hormonal profile of a female he would look at a woman he was attracted to on the bus for example and think oh you know what's her story who is she what kind of books does she read stuff like this mm-hmm. and then as soon as he started taking testosterone it was suddenly like, I want to fuck her right now,
2: Mm -hmm. right?
0: And in my own experience, like, I'm sure women think that too when they see a really hot guy, of course.
1: It happens. It happens, happens. there you go.
0: (laughs) Um, But from my own experience as a man, it's like, yeah, as soon as I see a a very attractive woman, I'm like, oh, I would love to fuck her, right? Mm
1: -hmm. And...
0: It's only after that that I start thinking about what kind of person she is, right? (laughs) And that seems so bad, but it's like, that's just like the default that I've noticed. Mm -hmm. And like I said, there are going to be biological reasons for that, like increased testosterone, but also cultural reasons like that, where I've talked a a lot on this podcast about how I watch porn from the age of like 12. And so that's me shaping myself to view women as something to be, as a sexually imbued object, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? And so that's definitely going to contribute to that as well.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But speaking to your point about how there there seems to be a more visceral urge in men, again, whatever the reasons might be, Mm -hmm. that is something that's really important when we talk about creepy men. Mm -hmm. Because if it's true that men on average have a more visceral response to sexual arousal in their body, Well, then that might contribute to what we see as creepy men. Mm -hmm. So to begin piecing apart this misunderstanding, I I think we need to address two types of men. Now, these are not the only types of men, but just the the two that I want to focus on to really flesh out the point I'm trying to make. And so on one side, we have the natural, and I'll explain what that means. But then on the other side, we have the incel. So the reason I'm bringing these two men up is because I really want to highlight the discrepancy between them, between these two extreme cases of men. So the natural is basically a man who, for whatever reasons, be them genetic influence on looks or behavior, you know, growing up around very confident and socially savvy male relatives, or just growing up around very attractive women so he's comfortable with them, right? The list goes on. He just gets it. You know, he is able to go to a nightclub, go to a networking event, even just be out downtown, and he can approach a woman and make something happen with her. And now I feel like I really need to drive the point home with this because I don't think a lot of people fully understand that there are actually men like this who exist out there in the world. I'm talking about normal, well put together enough, socially savvy men who have slept with like hundreds of women, right? Hundreds. And these are not men who are manipulative, who use money in any way, who assault women, or who fit the descriptor of creepy at all. These are just men who know how to have fun and be non-judgmental so that women want to go home with them. And I'm definitely not trying to advocate or justify that kind of lifestyle. Personally, I believe that as long as it's consensual and everyone is respecting themselves and each other, I mean, sleep with whoever you want. What I'm trying to say, though, is that these men do exist. You know, I am not one of them. I'm willing to face the shame of admitting that, right? But I have met men in my life who go out to nightclubs several times a week and get laid almost every time. They aren't on drugs or drinking in excess. They're not taking advantage of drunk women. They're literally just going out to meet new people and have fun. It's not getting in the way of their life. It's just like someone who spends their evening going to the gym. If they meet someone who they get along with, well, then perfect. They take them home and they have sex.
1: I think you brought up some important traits of these naturals as well. Yeah. Because... I think automatically people see men like that and they think like they're manipulative or yeah. there's something like something creepy about it. But as you said, they're just they just know how to have fun and they're non judgmental.
2: Exactly. And
1: that's it. Like they're not getting in their own way. Those two traits, like that's just it. They're not, it's not even that they've like put in a lot of effort to mm-hmm. developing this skill because it just has come naturally to them. And like you said, there's a combination of factors, whether that's genetics, upbringing, whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, they get it. And it isn't some like manipulative thing that you can learn. It's just like, it's as simple as that. Just not getting in your own way, being natural, having fun and and not judging yourself.
0: Yeah. Or her. Or her. Yeah.
1: And that just makes everyone want to be around someone like that. That's the kind of person that people want to be around in general. And yeah. so naturally, women would want to sleep with men like that.
0: Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, and I feel how weird it is that I, that I have to qualify these men as not manipulative that we both do, mm-hmm. right? And like, really consider why we have this natural assumption of ill intent or ill behavior on the part of these men. Right, like you said, like we assume they're manipulative. We assume that they're, you know, sex addicts. We assume they're uh, taking advantage or drugging women or uh, are, are just like bad men in some way. Or on the part of the women, we assume maybe she's like just a slut or she has low self-esteem or daddy issues. There's just something wrong with her, mm-hmm. right? Like there are definitely guys who get laid a lot and are just like horrible people, of course. But that's not necessarily the case, and yet we we just assume that there is some sort of ill behavior going on here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And it's like, I, I also want to talk about how, like, we have this idea that this type of man is actually glorified, right? Mm. There's, like, this kind of cultural narrative where if a woman sleeps around a lot, she's a slut, and if a man sleeps around a lot, he's, like, uh, the James Bond-celebrated character, right? He's he, some sort of, like, glorification going on there. I think that's true, but I think that there's the difference between a man in the media, such as like a rap video, for example, and the average man in his daily life, right? We may glorify the player in the media, but in our daily lives, the player is often shamed. Like even saying the player, oh, he's a player. Like that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a bad term or he's a fuck boy, yeah. right? And you know, I get into it later that we do shame men and women differently, definitely. Just imagine what you would think about a man who uh, you overheard talking about having slept with many women. Right. You're just on the subway or in class and you hear this guy talking about how he's like slept with several women or he's just talking about having sex stories or something like this. Right. Mm -hmm. You would likely think this dude's a douchebag or that he's a jerk or an asshole or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, I guess depending on how he was talking about it. You know, right. if some guy's like, oh, I fucked this bitch last night, <laughs> then you're like, yeah, you suck. But yeah, if, yeah. if he was like, yeah, I had a really good night. I went home with this girl mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the night before that, I went home with a different girl and it was fantastic. Then I'd be like, I would look at that man and be like, damn, I want to go home with you and have
0: it be fantastic. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, that's actually a really important point that you just brought up um, because, you know, we're going to take on the incel now. And this is like the involuntarily celibate. These are men who want to have romantic and sexual experiences with women, and yet no matter what they do, they can't. Many of them blame their looks, many of them blame women for only liking the asshole jock character, right? Mm -hmm. Funny enough, you just said, if you heard a guy talking about it, you would want to go home with that guy. Or they might blame feminism or blame anything else other than themselves. They look at that guy and say, asshole jock character, not maybe there's some way this guy is talking about women that makes them more attracted to him. Yeah. And so I think it's very easy for people today to have very little empathy for these men. When we think about the incel, we think of the guy who hates women, who blames everything on feminism, who in extreme cases actually commits violent retribution against women or society because of his failures with women. That's all true. Those men actually do exist. Like Elliot Roger, for example. He was a guy who actually was good-looking. He came from money. So he had looks, he had money, and yet he felt that no woman would ever love him to such an extent that he massacred people. Or another guy, I can't remember his name, but he was in Toronto. And he drove a van through a crowd of people because of like his incel ideology. And so again, there are incels like this. There are men who fit this stereotype. And yet there are also far more incels who just feel hopeless. And they're not violent, they're not hateful, they just don't feel like they could ever find a woman. And so I think that people don't fully understand what an incel is. What this extreme version of a guy who just doesn't get it with women is. You know, in a lot of cases, this guy will blame his physical appearance. And sometimes it really isn't that great. But when it really comes down to it, in most cases, an incel is an incel. Because he has barely had any interaction with a woman in his life. Let that land. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in just a little bit.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: What do you think it does to a man when he has gone decades without ever really talking to a woman? What do you think it does to a man when the only women he has ever really talked to are like his mom, his grandma, his sister, maybe the girl he was forced to be partners with in high school? But that's it. He's never had a legitimate, fun conversation with a woman in his entire life. Does this seem like a man who would ever know how to be sexual or romantic in a respectful way? Now let's add on top of that the fact that he does actually have a lot of experience with women through porn. His understanding of what a woman is, what you Kaylee are like, is primarily from what he's learned about women through porn. Hundreds of women. Thousands of women. How many different women has he been exposed to? Has he met purely through porn? What do you think it does to a man when what he thinks a woman is, his model of this thing in reality that he needs to interact with, is primarily informed by porn? You know, maybe some video games.
1: Mm -hmm. He doesn't even see them as real people. Yeah. How could he? How could he? He has no experience of women as real people. Mm -hmm. Because even if he has spoken to his mother or his grandma, they're not like women, women. They're like...
0: That's such a different relationship yeah, than a woman. Exactly. You're, well, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> that woman you're trying to sleep with uh, or date. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, I couldn't imagine.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's real for a lot of a lot of men. First of all, because like, I'm just I'm just kind of like the ways in which we grow up. Like, how can you not see women? How can you be so isolated from women as people? Yeah. You know, I think like. I don't know, maybe... I think especially being like maybe an only child or living in a home without women because I feel like guys who have sisters, they kind of get it more in a certain way Mm. or maybe they get certain parts of it more. Yeah. Like, oh, especially if they're like closer in age, it's like, oh, that my sister is a girl and look at she has all these problems and all these opinions and all these likes and dislikes and, you know, she's a whole experience of a person. Mm. At least at that level, you would see Mm. that.
0: Well... I guess in my own experience, I grew up with a sister who is yeah. only two years older than I am. Uh-huh. And uh, it did not help me with understanding women at all. No. Not at all. Because I could talk to my sister. Um, and there was definitely a period in my life where I was so socially anxious that I had difficulty talking to my own sister. Mm. Right? And so it, it's, it's, it's just like with your mom or your grandma or mm. your sister or any other female family member you don't view them the same way you view a woman that you're trying to sleep with. To the point where it's like, oh, it's just my sister or this woman that I'm trying to be sexual with. It's like, how do I interact with this woman? How do I be sexual with her when I don't know how to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not saying that it would help necessarily sexually or romantically, but just like, just in the very foundation of like seeing women as people, right? you know? Yeah. And like, because incels, Like the one you just painted, maybe this is like the most extreme case, but it is fundamentally that they have no experience whatsoever with the opposite sex and they only have porn. So it's so disconnected and just like objectifying.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it's not that these men don't have any experience with women. It's that the experience they have through porn or video games is just so much larger than the experience they have with real women mm-hmm. right it's like if you had an interaction with your you know your, like your your teddy bear and then you saw some real bears in a tv show you wouldn't understand how to interact with a bear mm-hmm. right you you would ha- like have this idea it's just a teddy bear it's just a cute thing and you even see literally videos of people going up to bears being like oh i want to pet the cute little bear it's like mm-hmm. this thing will eat you alive It will maul you to death. It's not a cute bear. Mm -hmm. And so it's very similar to how this kind of man would interact with women. like He has this idea of women from porn or video games or the few experiences he's had in his life. But he's never actually sat down to talk to a woman. Mm -hmm. And so his understanding of how to interact with a woman is as pathological as that person who tries to approach a bear thinking that they're just this cute little teddy bear mm-hmm. the, the difference is the same or one could even argue greater mm-hmm. because women are vastly more complex and complicated than a bear <laughs> right and i'm not trying to say
2: and yeah. i'm not trying to say like
0: i'm not trying to make the case that like women are this esoteric mysterious force in the universe i'm trying to say that like you're, you're a human being. Like, human interaction is far more complex than that's a bear who would kill me, stay the fuck away from it.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, okay, yeah, I understand.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I definitely think somebody could have misinterpreted what I said as being like, women are so complicated and I just mm-hmm. don't know. It's like, uh, kind yeah. of, but... Kind really. of,
1: but yeah, it's just as mm-hmm. much as any other human being.
0: Sure. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, and that, that's what I think is very key. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that I've, you know, sufficiently outlined the discrepancy between these two different types of men. Right, Like, on one hand, we have the incel, who mostly knows women through the women he's experienced in porn, and the natural, the guy who, despite the fact that he isn't manipulating women, is assumed to be manipulative because he's slept with a lot of women. You know, he's, of course he's manipulative. He's a player.
1: Yeah, how else do you get women to sleep with you?
0: Yeah, and that's a very key point that we'd be making. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What this is all coming to is the question, what do we do with all of these creepy men? What is this approach I have been alluding to by talking about the misunderstanding inherent to our current approach, right? How do we get the incel, granted the most extreme example of a guy who can't talk to women, to someplace closer to the natural, when we shame the natural as a player, when we assume that a guy who goes out often to talk to women is somehow manipulative, or he's a sex addict, or there's just something wrong with him because he goes out to talk to women. How can a man who has had such abysmal experience with women, like disgustingly little, like what I described before, should nauseate you? How does he learn how to talk to women without going out a lot and talking to a lot of women? Mm -hmm. And think about how hard it will be for a man who has grown up with the experiences of an incel to learn all the things that were given by stroke of luck to the natural, like winning the lottery in terms of genetics. Being born in the right place to the right family and given the right experiences across the most important formative years of a person's life. What exactly are the behavioral, psychological, cultural, and systemic changes that must happen in the incel's life to correct for all of the negative experiences he's had? And to add on all the positive experiences he needs to bridge that gap. I'm not saying that, you know, he needs to become the type of man who can sleep with hundreds of women without disrespecting a single one. Mm -hmm. But to really sell the importance of this transformation into a guy who can talk to women, what I'm asking is, what are the consequences to society of having an increasing population of men who are incapable of properly talking to women in a sexual or romantic context? And what are we willing to do about it? You better believe that if this man were to go out and get that practice talking to women, Meeting women, being rejected by women, trying to learn how to create something sexual or romantic with women. He is going to creep the fuck out of a lot of women. Again, though, what are the consequences to simply telling him to stay the same? This is a human being. He's just like you and me. He has a desire for intimacy. He has a desire for love, to get married and have kids. Is he just supposed to stay alone in his home all his life, jerking himself off to porn? Is that what he's condemned to? What do you think that's going to do to society? Even being completely selfish and not considering his feelings, his desires to experience loving and being loved in return. What will happen when we have a large portion of our male population who are like this and are voting and are going to the workplace and are engaging in all the other ways they can with society?
1: I feel like that's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard because... Yeah, on one hand, I feel like there is this narrative about incels. Yeah. And you say increasing, that they're going to increase in number.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, you're right about that, because
0: mm.
1: with well, all...
0: I just want to say, um, um, when I say increasing, I don't necessarily mean like an incel. I mean just men who are incapable of talking to women.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I think that's that's fair to say, given... The accessibility of porn and new technology with yeah. VR and everything—we're more like,
0: divided than ever.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there are more options for people to mm-hmm. to to fulfill their sexual urges without ever having to talk to a woman. Yeah, you know. And if that's accessible and and desirable, yeah, then yeah, more men are going to take that route.
2: Mm-hmm. It's easier.
1: Yeah, it just it's just easier. Yeah, but yeah, but and, but there is this narrative that I've heard. And part of me is like, yeah, that sounds all right. You know, we, we, we fear all this new technology in men yeah. not talking to women. But then it's like, oh, it'll just like sort itself out. Like all those guys <laughs> that aren't naturals, all those guys that are really weird and would want those things.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, they'll just stay home and jerk off to VR porn and they'll never reproduce and they'll die off. It's a dying. It's a dying breed. It's yeah. like this is going to
0: yeah. herd
1: them all into that realm. But that really is...
0: That's a very non-solution.
1: <laughs> no, and it's also, like, you're, you're, you're bringing it back to, like, this is a human being, this creepy man that we all just want to, like, shove away from society and mm-hmm. be like, oh, just stay in your room and with your... your Porn. P- and your, like, rock-solid towels from dried uh. and shit, you know? Like, <laughs> stay there, stay there. We don't want you out yeah, here yeah, anyway. Yeah. But that's a human being. Sure. That's a human being, and... And they probably have a lot of pain. There's like a lot of reasons of why, like you're saying, it's like there's there are many reasons why this person feels like they can't go out and interact yeah. with women and people in general, like with, with any confidence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is a problem. Yeah. We, want, we want men to thrive. We want men to feel like they can be a part of society yeah. and thrive there and that they're accepted there. And it's really hard because like what you're saying is that in order for them to bridge that gap between being in a room full of cum towels and being out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody brought that up until you did, Katie.
1: I know. I got to go with it now. Um, I'm bridging that to, to being out in the world, talking to real women, going home with real women. There's going to be a big learning curve where they are going to creep out a lot of people, you know, like they are going to have to go and talk to women and the women who are on the receiving end of the first hundred, whatever interactions they have, those women are going to be annoyed, irritated, like creeped out. Maybe they'll feel uncomfortable. Maybe that'll bring up something for them. And it's, it won't be fun yeah. for me or, you know, maybe the worst case is it's just a waste of their time, you know? And, and part of me being on that side is like, leave me alone. Fuck off. I have better things to do than be here for you to practice on, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but then, but then that's, that's feeding into that narrative of like, yeah. Oh, stay home and be in your room. Like we don't need you in society. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to help anyone get to the place that, they're going to want to be someone that they want to talk to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that brings up a really good point that I want to talk about later because (laughs) it's, yeah, I think that's an absolutely phenomenal point that you bring up. And I think that it's very nuanced and complex because it's not as simple as saying that women have some sort of obligation to be creeped out. And so we're going to talk about that later because I actually brought that up uh, later in the podcast or it's going to be brought up later in the podcast, but yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a really important point, Mm -hmm. you know, and like another, another thing that came up as you were talking there is, you know, the ease of access to sexual relationships is so enormous right now, right? These, you know, look at OnlyFans, where for a fee, men can have a girlfriend from OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. So they have this relationship with a very attractive woman, who perhaps is probably more attractive uh, of a woman than they have ever talked to, and... She only gives them positive attention. She uh, sends them naked pictures of herself. She'll sex them. She'll do all of these things that... She'll do all these things that no real girlfriend would ever do because a real girlfriend would also be a real-life human who has her own wants and uh, dislikes and likes and, and this kind of thing, right? And so they're basically paying money for all of the good of a relationship without having any of the conflict that comes with a real relationship. Mm -hmm. And a real relationship with a real human being is gonna be far better despite that conflict because it's a real person who actually loves you. Because what you find with a lot of these OnlyFans models is that they don't actually talk to their fans. They will literally hire a team of people to talk to their fans for them. And so it's not even that you're having this make-believe relationship with this hot girl. You're having a make-believe relationship with somebody masquerading as this hot girl. Whoa. Right? But the thing is, is like, what do you want to do as an incel who has no idea how to talk to women? Do you want to go out and try to like go through the horrible humiliation of learning how to be better with women? Or do you just want to pay pay a fee for all of the best parts of a relationship without any of the negatives? Mm. Of course, like I said... The heights of real relationship are far higher than anything you could get from OnlyFans. But OnlyFans is a lot easier. Yeah, It's a lot easier, and so that's a very real problem. And again, you could say, well, maybe we should just allow these men to do that and weed themselves out of the gene pool. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Number one, real human being. Real human being. Mm -hmm. And number two, these guys still vote. Mm-hmm. These guys still go to your workplace. Mm-hmm. These guys are still interacting with your sisters, daughters, wives, etc. Mm-hmm. Do you want a society in which a large portion of the male population is like this? What do you think the consequences of that are? And I don't know the full range of the consequences, but we're going to find out in the next 10-20 years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You, you better believe that's what's going to happen. Damn. And so when I look at the landscape for answers, for solutions, What I see is not much. I've been to a few of these forums over the past years and therapy is too feminine for them. Their words. Many of them believe that if they go to therapy, they're going to be feminized or blamed or that the therapist just won't get why society is stacked against them as men. Mm -hmm. So therapy is kind of not an option for many of them. You know, and whether their analysis of the problem is right or wrong, they just won't go and you can't force them just for being creepy. Yeah. And is feminism going to solve this problem? No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, not a question for me. There you go. I I wrote
0: down, I had some difficulty writing this answer, but you basically just answered it for me. No fucking way. You know, as blunt as that is, no fucking way. I'm for most of feminism. There are definitely the radical elements that I don't jive with, but I'm definitely not an anti-feminist or anything like that. The truth is, though... I don't think anything feminism could do would be perceived as anything other than an attack. There's just no way that feminism can help these men. Consider again that these men think that therapy is too feminine. And honestly, women can just never know what it's like to be a man trying to flirt with a woman. Mm -hmm. They just can't. We talk all the time about the lived experience of women, of racial minorities, of other gender minorities, and yet we seem to not consider the fact that men have their own lived experience that can't be known by anyone other than a man. You as a woman will never know what it's like to be automatically distrusted by a woman you're sexually interested in. You could even say that a gay woman would know and yet it's just obvious to any man that she will still have a certain level of trust and rapport that a man doesn't get. Remember what I said before about the natural being assumed to be manipulative. A man can approach sex as a collaboration between him and a woman and really have good intentions about respecting her right to consent, about negotiating likes and dislikes, and being willing to do what is necessary to create a truly mutually beneficial experience. And yet, if any man were to approach a woman by saying this, she would laugh in his face. There's no way you could ever say that to a woman and she'd just jump on board, happy to go with you. Maybe it would happen once in 100,000 cases, but I mean, not really. There's an automatic assumption on the part of a woman that a guy is just trying to take sex from her. And again, that's assuming the guy's 100% on board with what I just described. A lot of the education that a man must put himself through is learning to approach sex in that way, even if he can't mention that is how he approaches it. You had a face there that I want to... Do you disagree? No. Oh, okay.
1: Wait, what, what...
0: Do you disagree to the idea that a man could not tell a woman that, that he approaches sex like that?
1: So you're saying if a man were to, to approach a woman and say and like say that exactly... She would laugh in his face?
0: Oh, yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. If a man was interested in a woman and he took her out on the first date Mm -hmm. and he said that to her, even though it's already a date and they're approaching it from that perspective, I don't think it's very likely that a woman would be just down for that.
1: No, you're right. You're right. I see it now. I'm actually... Yeah, I'm thinking about it a bit more. And just speaking from my own experience, even if I find a man attractive and I go... Mm -hmm. on a date with him and even though I'm I enjoy sex and I try to be open about that and like I've tried to rid myself of the that shame of like oh I'm a girl I can't want sex you know yeah I try to live with that I I know that I have a lot of defenses up Mm -hmm. against men who Mm. I think are interested in me hmm I can just feel it. Like, even if I'm attracted to them and I want to have sex with them, there is an automatic defense up. And I'm like, you're trying to get something from me.
0: Exactly. Yes. That's just it. And that's what I mean. Like, Mm -hmm. we view sex as something a man takes from a woman. Mm -hmm. And so if the vast majority of women view men as trying to take sex from them in this sort of, like, competitive frame where sex is something to be won, and the vast majority of men not only think this way too, but aren't, like, supremely virtuous people with amazing social skills mm-hmm. then we clearly have a sexual landscape in which men have to work at building trust rapport comfort and attraction in a way that most women don't mm-hmm. and i'm certainly not saying that women don't have to work at their relationships or anything like that i'm not saying that at all again i'm merely highlighting this from the man's point of view i'm just focusing on that for the sake of this podcast
2: For sure.
0: and so now consider that at any time most women below 40, you know, when most people are looking for a relationship if they haven't already, these women have many men in their lives that would be willing to sleep with them at a moment's notice. And if they don't, they could very easily find a man on the street. There are literally YouTube videos showing a man and a woman separately going up to people and asking them if they wanna have sex with them. You can go and watch these. In 100 cases, the man has no yeses, not a single one. And in 100 cases, the woman has 99. One man said no. (laughs) And I'm definitely not saying that this is a good way for women to find partners. Of course not. Instead, my point is that because of this discrepancy, most women will never have to face the kind of sexual scarcity that a man does. Men can go years of their lives without ever talking to the opposite sex. Women often can't go a day without a member of the opposite sex trying to talk to them. Men will pay people to cuddle with them so that they can just have some physical contact with another human being. Such men don't even want to have sex with these women, they just want someone to cuddle with. However empty it might be, a woman can find someone to at the very least cuddle with.
1: Yeah. Wow. This is like, this is really bringing up the fundamental need for humans to have intimacy.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And how difficult that is for a lot of men, especially with this narrative of like, yeah, you're really making me become more aware of that baseline man needs to work for a basic trust from the other person. That's... Yeah. That's big, because I feel like in most other relationships, like friend to friend, like you trust someone. you're you <clears throat> you trust someone until they prove themselves untrustworthy. But with men in a lot of cases, it's like you're untrustworthy until you've proven yourself not creepy or yeah. bad in some way, you know?
0: yeah, well, I remember actually one time i was I was going on dates with this girl. We weren't dating, but we were going on dates, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a difference between that. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember she so you know we were at her place and i tried to make the move on her and she said no and later we were texting and she brought it up and she was very unhappy with me because she was like i feel like you're just trying to take you know you're just trying to get something from me right and it's like i don't know if you actually are serious about this relationship and it's like number one we just wanted a couple of dates like why are you getting so serious about it why do like Why does it always have to be a serious relationship just for staff sex? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if that's your standard, that's okay. But why is that okay to have that assumption, but it's not okay for it to be casual assumption, right? And number two, I later found out that she had jerked some guy off in a hot tub on her own time while we were seeing each other. And she felt that was okay, but yet I had to do everything I could to prove to her that I was serious to her. Mm. And so there's this like weird double standard where... I don't care if she jerks some guy off on a hot tub. That's fine. Go do it. But the thing is that she has such a weird double standard for how I must prove myself to her when she didn't have that for herself. Mm. You know? And so that's a perfect example of how... And that's an extreme case, of course. But often men have to work extra to get that trust where a woman wouldn't have that same standard for herself.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. That's really true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of of, um, I've definitely heard this come yeah. up in a lot of my female relationships. Yeah, where they they talk about, they talk about the men in their lives as like, it's always that that very stereotypical conversation that I I don't like. Okay. It's like oh, is he like is he gonna commit though like is he. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, that's 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 a separate conversation. But you mm. know, a lot a lot of women do. They like want like oh, but is he like serious about you? Is this that yeah. that's the narrative. Mm. But then they themselves will like oh yeah like I slept with some other guy the other day or something. Yeah, it's like, are you serious about him? Are you committed to him? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you want this from him, but yeah. at the same time, it's okay for you to just be whatever. Yeah. in your life.
0: That's what I mean. So there's like this weird double standard where mm-hmm. they, they expect the guy to, sh- to go over uh, above and beyond to show his commitment. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if your standard for having sex with somebody, which in this case it's not, because you're having sex with somebody casually on the side. Mm-hmm. But if your standard for having sex with somebody is in a committed relationship, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But don't vilify men for not having that standard and saying like, oh, you would have sex with somebody casually. And you assume that that's the, that's the case. It's like you're assuming that it's the case that it has to be committed just with this one guy Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or which assumption is better and why is that the case Mm -hmm. maybe it is one assumption is better than the other but don't number one don't have a double standard for him and not yourself Mm -hmm. right or have a double standard for him and not yourself and number two don't vilify him just because his standard is different than yours
1: Mm -hmm. that's really important yeah is understanding that people have different standards yeah Mm -hmm.
0: and often the case is like i again I want to be very clear that I'm not saying this is always the case. But I think in in more cases than we'd probably like to admit, the fuckboy, the guy who lies to get laid, is only lying to get laid because of that double standard. Because he thinks the only way he can get laid is if he lies about how committed he is. Oh, yeah. Right? And so if we have this standard where we demand that men must commit or make it clear that they're committing before we'll sleep with them, And then they lie about that? Why? no wonder, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not justifying this manipulation, of course. But it's just like, if you're vilifying any man for approaching a relationship casually, don't be surprised when he lies about doing so.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right? What?
1: That's just, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that's a big reason why I despise that narrative of like, the commitment versus not commitment. Cause yeah. like, why does it have to be that? Yeah. Like that doesn't need to be. Or I'm like we said, it's okay if it does need to be that for some people. Yeah. But acknowledge that, state that clearly, and then accept that some people aren't going to be in alignment with that, and like in that approach to sexual relationships. Um,
0: and definitely don't have a double standard for yourself. And yeah. Them.
1: Yeah. Exactly. But I think that's the reason why I dislike it so much is because it it breeds that dishonesty it breeds that manipulation mm-hmm. because men feel like they, they can't be honest about their desires, yeah. even though it's totally okay. It really is.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I can give another story about like, I have been honest with women up front about the fact that I want a casual relationship and they're never, I, I don't think I've, I think maybe if I can remember correctly once or twice they've been okay with it because that's what they want to. Mm-hmm. But often they will say that's a, a breaking, of the, a, a violation of their standard and they won't talk to me anymore. Mm. Which again, it's is fine. That's fine. But if I wait until the, the second date or something like that to say I want a casual relationship, almost every single time they've been okay with it. Mm. And so it's like if I'm upfront and honest about it, I'm written off. But if I wait two dates where they can get to know me, it's okay. And of course... That could just be a, a case of, oh, you're, you're... those girls who said no right off the bat, they would have said no after two dates. And you only know that those girls after the two dates would say yes because they did, right? Of course, that's true. But it is just a very curious thing where if I do wait two dates, they're fine with it. And if I don't, they're not,
2: hmm.
0: right? And so it's, again, I'm, again, assuming this is what's happening, I am being punished for being upfront and honest and not punished if I wait a little bit and allow them to get to know me first and then say it. Yeah. So it's very interesting. And maybe that's the way it should be. Maybe that's, maybe that's true, but just something interesting to reflect on.
1: Yeah, that is something interesting to reflect on because being upfront and honest is desirable. Yeah. I, I think I think people say it is. people say it is whether they actually want it or not yeah. when it happens mm-hmm. um I think that's desirable but there's also an art to being honest yeah. right and sometimes yes yeah, so, saying something straight up like that right away is like it might be jarring and obviously it's important to understand on the woman's side like how that's I'm just thinking received, that too, yeah. you know how that's received yeah. and how they have to they we have to um
0: well it's okay to talk to about women as like this yeah 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 that's true get that objective distance
1: yeah exactly they have to reconcile that with their own shame around sex too yeah and like that even speaks to what happened on the street with those people like women men asking a woman like will you have sex with me right now (laughs) uh no yeah even if i want to even if i'm like burning with sexual desire and you're really hot like i have to go through layers and layers and layers of what does this say about me as a woman and yeah. like what does this sure. mean you know if, if if a man were to say that right away yeah in a relationship it it would have to go through more layers of like what does that say about me exactly. whereas after a few dates you're like oh you know me you see me as a person maybe i trust you more and on that basis yeah. now i can accept myself for agreeing to have a casual sexual relationship with you Mm -hmm.
0: and that's exactly what came to mind as you were talking is like if i'm going to ask people to put their perspective in the in a man then i have to put my perspective into the woman and say well (laughs) number one if i am accepting a guy saying he just wants casual right off the bat dealing with my own sexual shame and if i'm only accepting it after two dates well like you said it's it's after two dates i understand this guy well enough to know that he's not this Sleazy guy who's not going to use a a condom or going to pressure me to not use a condom or not ask for consent, these kinds of things. After those first two dates, I know he's that guy. And so it's okay for me to say it's okay for a casual relationship.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. You know, so I totally respect uh, a woman for having that standard. Like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I can see why that standard's in place. But I guess my overarching point is just to reflect on why we have those standards, but then reflect on what are the unintended consequences of that standard. That even though it's better to wait those first two dates, what's going to be the consequences of punishing a man when he's up front? Mm -hmm. Right? And so it's not like, oh, if I wait the first two dates and then say I'm okay with a casual relationship, that's going to be all good and there's going to be no consequences. It's like, no, there's going to be consequences to that, just as there's going to be consequences to saying uh, okay up front. No matter what we do, there's always going to be unintended consequences. And so that's what I'm trying to get us to reflect on. Yeah. And so my point thus far is that there are men who severely need to learn how to communicate with women for romantic or sexual purposes. Women and feminism can't help them because they're either outright distrusted or often don't fully understand the lived experience of a man trying to create something romantic or sexual with a woman. So where does this leave us? Where could these men possibly learn these skills? School? Do you really think in an education system that still has issues with teaching children about the cold mechanics of sex is going to start teaching teen boys the specifics of romantic co-creation, or teen girls for that matter? We can absolutely teach our children the basics of social skills and emotional skills, and that would help enormously. Honestly, that's a very complex issue that I'm not going to address because I simply don't have the expertise or the understanding. Mm -hmm. But regardless of how well that might rectify the problem, it still doesn't address the issues that adult men face. Adult men and women are not only defining the sexual landscape that emerging adults enter, but are also influencing children beyond what they might learn in school. And so we have adult men who have issues talking to women, and they're going to influence the sexual landscape. And we have all the interactions that take place over the course or over across the entire society, and how that influences the sexual landscape. And then we have these. Uh, uh, young adults who are emerging into this landscape and are trying to navigate it, and no matter how well-educated they might be, they can't be fully prepared for this very shame-based, manipulative, lying, double-standard sexual landscape that we have. And so I think I've made it clear that the options are not many. I'm sure there are many other examples that we could try to look for, but what I really want to address is what I think is the most popular solution that men turn to, which is pick-up artistry. The industry of men who teach other men how to be successful with women. So, as I say that, what comes up for you? What do you What do you think about pickup artistry?
1: First of all, I wanted to ask a question, and this, oh, can, yeah, yeah. this can be off the record, but it just came up while I was while you were speaking, because I'm I'm I, I do feel very much like embodying that perspective at this moment. Yeah, and like feeling the full weight of the complications around navigating these relationships with all of the desires that come up but just thinking about the whole me too movement and how no doubt it's like important for women to like reclaim their voice and speak out against like the violence that happens against them
0: yeah absolutely
1: like no doubt not to diminish that at all but like how that that is put forward but then there's no like action step of like how do we deal with this problem actually you know it's like we're all gonna use our voices and like take back our power but what of the men like how do we deal with that like what are we actually saying like we're just gonna like call them out for all the harm they're doing Mm -hmm. but there's no actionable step to take forward like how do we fix this problem actually you know like and i feel like a lot of men now are just scared, yeah. like, like, what can I do? Like, I don't know if I'm Mm -hmm. doing anything right or wrong. Or if I do this, is it going to be taken wrong? Or can I trust women to to help me in those spaces? Like, what if I mess up and then I get me too'd or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I can't imagine how scary that must be.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a lot of people might say, well, men should be scared. Have you heard of the horrible things that some of these people have been outed for? there are some horrible things like women being like anything to do with sexual assault is horrible. I don't think I need to go into details. No. But at the same time, it's like if men are too afraid to engage with women now, which is for a lot of cases true, that doesn't fix the problem. That just makes it worse. That's Mm -hmm. like repressing your shadow. Mm -hmm. Right. You're just pushing into the dark recesses where it can just become more and more corrupted.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's not a solution. No. And so when we think about like this solution, pickup artistry, what I've implied to be a potential solution, mm-hmm. what comes up for you?
1: Okay, so when I think about pickup artistry, <laughs> 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 mm, I guess, what is it, mm, what does it conjure? It, it just, it, I think it, it activates that men trying to get something from women right. thing. Right. You know, yeah. but instead of it being like this background thing that we don't talk about, but we all know it's there. Yeah. It's like we are calling it that yeah. we are trying to get something from women <laughs> and we're going to learn how to get it. Yeah. Artfully. Artfully. Artfully.
0: Artfully. Yes. At least it has that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I think from the negative point of view, it's like, oh, They're trying to get something from us. They're just going to be, they're just going to get something. They're just going to get better at manipulating us to Mm -hmm. get it. And that seems sleazy and gross and weird. And like, oh, you're going to put your time into that. It just, it just, it feels wrong off the bat. Yeah. But, but that's going on anyway. (laughs) Like we all, the whole conversation we've just had is about the human need for sexual intimacy. Yeah. And romantic connection, and how this is really challenge. This is a really challenging landscape for men to navigate. And yeah. a lot of people, a lot of men, you know. Obviously, you painted the picture of the natural and the incel, and those are extremes. Most men are not fully incel. Not men. Not most men are naturals either. You know, most men are just like okay, probably nervous to talk to girls sure. until they've done it. But even then, maybe they're like shy or whatever they have. Everyone has their own insecurities and things they have to work through and they'll fall somewhere along that continuum. But everybody has these desires. Yeah. Everybody has the need for intimacy and connection. So everybody is already trying to get sex.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's already there. But but all of a sudden, when we call it that, it's like, like speak to that up front. It's weird. Like, why would you try to do that?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why
1: wouldn't you try to do that? Sure. And it's actually good to like bring it outwards and talk about this thing that has already been going on underneath. It's like keeping it in the shadow, making it creepy. But up here, we can see it for what it really is. And it can it can be something beautiful.
0: <laughs> it could be. It could be. But, you know, I think a lot of people, how they view it is purely on the negative side of it. Yeah. Where like we we we've... Become so indoctrinated in this idea that sex is something that a man takes from a woman, that any attempt to get better at it consciously is viewed as manipulative.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, as I'm sure our listeners can guess, I do have experience with pickup.
2: <laughs> I think we
0: have uh, explicitly <laughs> said that. And you know, there there are very clear delineations between positive pickup and negative pickup. And yet, even in what I would describe as positive pickup, there are still a lot of issues. And so from the same teacher, I've heard the two following pieces of advice. Firstly, you should stop keeping a list of women you've slept with. Reason being, you want to approach each woman as a human being, as someone you can really get to know so that you can decide if she's someone you truly connect with enough to create something sexual with. Even if it's just for one night, You want to treat the entire experience as a collaboration with another person, to really get to know them, to have that connection happen. If instead you keep a list, you are far more likely to turn women into conquest. It's not about having a unique, fun experience with another human being. It is instead about fucking the first willing woman and getting another notch on the belt. Mm. And So how does that first piece of advice make you feel? Great. Yeah.
1: I think that's beautiful. Okay. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I've known men who've kept lists and I'm yeah. like, that's disgusting.
2: <laughs> I do <used> to, definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I think I do, but it's more of like a, I don't know. Why is it, but there's a double standard because I genuinely have a list.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's like,
1: oh, but when I do it, it's literally, it, it, cause it's not about like, I'm not trying to rack up the number, I guess the motivation might be different. I'm just like keeping track because I mm-hmm. like the sweet memories of remembering who I. that's Sorry. the thing like you know
0: I've heard competing advice on this where some guys will say don't keep the list mm-hmm. and they're saying don't keep a list because guys have a tendency to rack up the numbers and be like mm-hmm. another fucking notch in the belt another yeah. girl that I've fucked whereas another guy will say like oh yeah keep a list but always remember that each one is their own unique person and have it as a memory of that experience yeah right and so yeah. it's like Either piece of advice you take, it's still from a more positive perspective than simply racking up the numbers. Yeah. You know?
1: Exactly. But yeah, this this first piece of advice, I think is great. It's yeah. amazing. Yes. To see them as a full human being. And like you said, even if it is just for one night. Yeah. Because that, that can be beautiful too. Like not everything has to be this long-term relationship of falling in love. It's like right now we have one night and you're a human being. Even if I only know your first name or whatever, I can still respect you as a, as a person. Yeah. I still know that you go beyond your physical body that I'm going to yeah. have sex with, right?
0: As long as you do respect them as a human being. Yeah. On both sides.
1: Yeah, exactly. Then everything's okay.
0: Now, <laughs> so with that being said, mm-hmm. the second piece of advice, and remember this is from the very same person. Mm-hmm. Women feed off of drama. They love it. So what you want to do to sleep with them is to create mini-dramas. To pretend to be dramatic, upset, or like there's something just wrong. Because this stimulates intense emotions within them. Once you've solved this mini-drama, you've now created a range of emotions from the negative to the positive. This range of emotions and the aroused state it creates not only makes the woman more interested in you, but also gives you the opportunity to reframe that aroused state as something wholly positive. How does that make you feel?
1: (laughs) Weird. (laughs) I don't know if it doesn't make me feel bad, but it makes me feel weird. Yeah. It makes me feel like, what does this man know? Right. Like, he, it sounds like he knows more than I do about what I want. Yeah. You know? Because, like, hearing that, it's true. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. A nice dramatic thing. Like, of course, like Mm -hmm. heightened emotions. That's what you want to experience with someone. That's what makes it fun and exciting. But it's so interesting from the woman's point of view. We just just expect these things. Oh, they just happen. Oh, it's just like this magical thing that, oh, we just have this connection. Yeah, yeah. It's weird to think that on the other end, it can be very intentional. And it's actually something that they're consciously creating for us to have this feeling of like, wow, it just happened.
0: I mean... That's literally the piece of advice. Another piece of advice they'll give you is Mm -hmm. that like women don't want to feel as if it was engineered. Mm -hmm. And so part of being a good engineer is creating an experience that doesn't feel (laughs) engineered. Yeah. Right.
1: And it's weird because it's like the word manipulation. This is manipulation. Oh yeah. 100%. Oh yeah. But is it wrong?
0: I think so. Yeah? I think so. Because... The reason I think that it is bad, that piece of advice, Mm -hmm. is because it very easily turns into an abusive tactic, Mm. right? Where it's not like, if I tease you, that's basically creating a range of emotions. I'm kind of like poking at you or just like joking, but it's always a good natured tease, right? Like anytime I've teased you, do you ever feel like I'm attacking you? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> uh, okay, well, fuck you too. Uh, there you go. I said yeah. fuck you too, right? And it's like, th- it's a little bit of a barb, a little bit of a jab, but you know it's it's good natured, you know it's fun, and you know I'm not actually like being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of creating that range of emotions. But, mm. you know, I've seen some of the videos of this guy doing it, and it's like making them feel bad about themselves, calling mm. a girl fat. That's
1: shitty.
0: Or, or you know poking at other insecurities and like he really takes it so far that he's like actually like you got to understand that this guy is going out every single night to become better at teaching men how to uh, talk to girls Mm -hmm. and so he's experimenting it's like his Mm -hmm. uh, laboratory Mm -hmm. and so he is practicing how shitty can he make a girl feel about herself to bring it back around so that she will fall more more in love with him essentially to be more willing to sleep with him that night
1: Mm. Yeah, that sounds very abusive.
0: That's very abusive, obviously. And so it's not just like, you know, we're creating a story, we're creating a drama. No, no, no. It's like,
2: yeah.
0: I'm going to poke at whatever, I'm going to find your insecurity and I'm going to poke at it uh-huh. just for the purpose so I can swing it back around. Mm. And that range of emotions is going to make you more sexually interested.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really complicated. Because yeah, I, I didn't even think about it from that, yeah, like, yeah. that perspective, like that more extreme end and how some advice like that can be become so distorted Mm -hmm. as people use it in whatever way yeah because yeah like you put that advice out there and you have no idea how someone's going to interpret that and then go out and use it because when i think of drama yeah and like heightened emotions that's just fun and it can be fun Mm
2: -hmm.
1: if it's if it's like about if it can it can be fun but it also can be very abusive like you're pointing out exactly that's really negative
0: Like that calls into question. Like, okay, so you've you've found this girl's insecurity, you've poked at it, and then you've turned it around to a wholly positive thing. Does that make it okay?
2: Mm.
0: Right, and it's like personally, I think no. Mm -hmm. Right, because you're still like it. it, You're still making this person feel like shit about themselves, and then swinging around back to the positive, where it becomes an abuse tactic, because you're making you're you're intentionally poking this person where it hurts just so that you can sleep with them. Whereas if I'm teasing you, I'm just teasing you because we're having fun and you tease me too. That's fun. And it's just to create a collaboration and experience rather than I'm going to poke at this girl, swing it back around so that I can get the sex from her, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's again where the, the way that you're approaching it takes something that's a tease to something that's a manipulation. And so you have this culture that has like dedicated itself to teach men how to be successful with women. And, and, and even within these positive teachers, you have this like weird inconsistency between what seems like a very pro-social view of sexual relationships and a blatantly abusive manipulation tactic. And again, being taught by the very same person, is this really the best option we have to teach these men? And in my own experience with pickup, I basically went from an extremely socially awkward guy who definitely creeped out my fair share of women, and you know, when I was like 16 or 17, I was so afraid of talking to women that my idea of flirting at a party was was literally standing beside her and putting my hand on her lower back. I was so terrified of speaking to a woman that even in that awkward and violating position, I was still unable to say a word to her, right? So just... Imagine what that must have been like for her. This guy just comes up beside you and then doesn't say anything. (laughs) I was one of these creepy men that I've been discussing. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And so, just again, imagine what it must be like to want so bad to understand what to do and doing everything you can to just finally work up the courage to do something, only to have it creep her out and have her view you as a horrible human being. It's like, I didn't want to be creepy. I didn't want to make anyone feel violated. And yet I was so uneducated about what to do that I just thought of something. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Imagine that you are so into this girl. You think she's so cool and she just connects with something inside of you so deeply. You just wish that you could know what to do to show her that you're a cool guy too. And yet everything you try to do just makes her view you as a creepy guy with bad intentions. It was precisely because of what I learned from pickup. I've now gone from that to a man who has gone on many dates, had good relationships, created some really fun experiences with women. And 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 to put it in a phrase, so far I've had a very fulfilling dating life. I'm certainly not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I've definitely learned some very pro-social and what I'm not afraid to call feminist beliefs from my experiences with pickup. And yet, there was a huge amount of education from outside pickup that really helped bring my social skills to what I would consider a much healthier place. So for example, I noticed a few years ago that I'd become extremely transactional in my relationships with women. I noticed that I only viewed women as potential sexual partners and didn't make any room for them as friends. And this was until my relationship with you, Kaylee, and this other girl that I met at university. And funny enough, these these friendships actually started around the same time. And it was... Honestly, the first time I'd actually paused for my desire to improve with women and actually just enjoyed connecting platonically with women with the new social skills that I had.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're saying this helped in the, in the transactional approach? Like this helped?
0: Yeah. Because I, I started viewing women in a healthier way. Yeah. Right? Because then I, I yeah. like I love you as my friend. I don't simply view you as an object of sexual gratification at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Especially in, like, the context of, like, not even just friend, but, like, a friend dating one of your friends. It's like, yeah, yeah. oh, that's completely off the table. Exactly. So it's like that That was never even part of it, you For know? sure. That's really interesting. And then your other friend. Uh,
0: yeah, she, she was in a relationship as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I met the both of you and there was no opportunity for uh, the sexual objectification. Mm-hmm. And so that was, like, a path toward having a healthy relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. If that's the only option that men have if, is this pickup artistry. But even within that, it, it itself is flawed is what you're pointing out yeah. here. It's like there's a lot of value that can be taken from it. And I feel like you as a person who is very smart and they, you know you study psychology and you're, you're not an incel. You have a lot of, like you're pointing to now, friendships with women as well as sexual relationships. It's like
2: mm-hmm. you've been
1: able to take the, the good from it. And leave behind a lot of the bad, recognize the bad you've been able to do and be like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take that advice and use it, but this I can. Right. But most men, if they have nothing going in, they're going to take all of it as gold and they're going to, you know... Use that in whatever distorted way they interpret it as. And so, if this is the only option, like, well, there's going to be a lot of bad that comes from it, and it's going to get a really bad name really fast. For sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And you kind of mentioned this earlier about how my experiences having a sister Mm -hmm. may have really helped me. And it's like, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, having a sister helped me see women as people, just that little bit extra. And so, that may have been one of the things that helped me not get trapped in pickup
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know and, and often enough men get trapped in pickup you know I was lucky enough to be able to have the friendships that I did thank you by the
2: You're
0: way welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you know to be exposed to the pickup teachers who were as positive as that industry really gets and to have discovered Leo Gura and his criticism of pickup culture as a man who had also been through that and you know all the other influences that I've had in my life Then I'm very lucky for all of this. And yet I've been in some of these pickup forums and chat groups and and actually seen the kind of behavior that can go on. Again, these men get trapped inside this culture that can very easily glorify sexual objectification of women, conquest of women, and the often callous dismissal of what a woman might want out of a relationship, among many other negatives. And so we have this larger Western culture that we live in that often shames men for not getting it with women in many cases actually reacts with hostility toward the idea that getting it with women is a complicated thing at all. I've literally seen people become angry when you try to imply that romance with women is complicated because they interpret that as like an insult toward women. It's like, oh, you're saying women are these complicated things? And that's kind of why I made that caveat earlier. It's like, no, 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 people are complicated, not just women. But a lot of people perceive that idea of women being complicated or are dating being complicated as an insult to women. And then finally, the most popular way for men to get better with women has its most positive teachers often teaching very misogynistic and manipulative views. So you have men who are shamed for being bad. You have men who are shamed for being good. And the only vehicle for crossing the gap between the two is shamed, and sometimes rightly so because it includes very negative beliefs scattered among the few positive.
1: Mm. That's so complicated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jesus.
1: I think that, that idea of, that idea is so funny that men should just get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, it's weird because that's put on them by women. Like yeah. you just, you should just get it. But then, but women themselves in all their other relationships recognize the complexity of it. And actually a lot of the times enjoy the complexity of relationships. Like I love Analyzing my, my interpersonal relationships and like, oh, this is so complex. And oh, this person, you know. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to men, it's like either you get it or you don't. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't, well, to hell with you. You're just creepy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah that, that's where, that's the hardest part is bridging that. It's giving the skills. But then we shame that whole process of giving the skills. And what is out there is like you said.
0: I mean, for good reason sometimes.
1: Yeah, for sure. There is a lot of bad. But how do we, like, make it good? Yeah. If it's so, like, if its existence in itself is something that we can't accept as a society.
0: So we're kind of back where we started. Mm -hmm. You know, we've gone over the problem. What I see is the only real solution that currently exists, and the very real limitations and pathologies of that solution. So where do we go from here? Mm. As I said, these men absolutely are entitled to love, intimacy, and family, among all the other things that come with sexuality and romance, with the experience of being human. To be clear, I don't mean that they are entitled to women. What I mean is that everyone on this planet is entitled to a life in which they are free from loneliness, a lack of friendship, and a lack of intimacy with some partner that they can love. You know, a lot of people talk about how in nature there are many males who don't find a mate, and they're just weeded out of the gene pool. I think we mentioned this earlier. They'll use this as a means of saying that there are just going to be some men who don't find a partner. While I can agree that this is like a good, I mean the partial description of the is of the human sexual and romantic landscape, like there are definitely reasons for this discrepancy. But I disagree that this is how it ought to be. I'm not speaking to a utopia where everyone just gets what they want. I don't think utopia is possible. But I think we as a society, as collaborators in this grand narrative of the human species, of life, have an obligation to diminish suffering. If there are real human beings who are suffering in ways that we wouldn't want our family and friends to suffer, then we have an obligation to do whatever is within our means and mental health to help solve it. Mm -hmm. And so again, what solutions can we create for this problem? Real suffering that has real life consequences beyond those who are suffering with this problem. We need to teach men how to approach women in a sexual or romantic context in a way that is respectful, non-judgmental, and just fun for everyone involved. We must do this. Now there's more that I wanna say on this topic, but I really just don't know the right answer. The point of this podcast has really been to outline the issue so that people can just get a sense of the problem that we have here. Like I've said, this problem is not limited to these men. To remind you, there are consequences in our civilization when we have an enormous, an increasingly enormous population of men who don't know how to be sexual or romantic. Think about the positives that come when you have an increasingly enormous population of men who know how to talk to women. Imagine the workplace, the community, the political landscape, if we had men who really understood how to talk to women. Just platonically, let alone all the benefits that come with men who know how to navigate the sexual and romantic landscape.
1: It's in all of our best interest for, for this issue to be looked into and found solutions for, you know? Like, like as you're just saying, even platonically, in, in every interaction with men, in the workplace and otherwise, you know, it's just that it's in, our, it's in all of our best interest to find yeah. a solution for this. To look at this as a real problem and not just push it to the side, thinking, "Oh, these men will just like take care of themselves; they can just stay away," because they they don't.
2: Yeah.
1: And and they're people. <laughs> I don't know why this is like making me really emotional, actually, because I feel like I've definitely had that mentality of like, "Oh, creepy men; they're just like the scum of the earth," like, just yeah. like mm, nobody like that's not the way we treat people. Yeah. They are human beings who deserve love and intimacy just as anybody else. And we recognize all these other problems in our lives that prevent us from getting fulfillment, and we see those as valu- valuable things to work on mm-hmm. and valid ways to like want to improve in. But this is like somehow so shamed. And that's our collective shame. And it's our collective problem that we carry around with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, if you feel comfortable, can you speak to any experiences you've had
1: with creepy men? Yeah. <laughs> Let me think. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know what the value of what it would be to speak about it here. I guess, but if you
0: don't want to, that's I okay. mean,
1: yeah, I guess at, at my first workplace job, my mm-hmm. in my my at my first job in Montreal, I was mm-hmm. working in a kitchen, and this man that I worked with, he did a few weird things. Like he touched me. Yeah. When he would walk by me. Or he picked something off my pants once while I didn't even know he was behind me. And Ugh. it was just like and he made comments about my boobs, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And followed me home one time. It was really creepy. Yeah, it it, it just felt it felt so wrong. And it wouldn't... For me, it, it, the emotional reaction that comes with that, it wasn't even like... It's not like I was... The emotional reaction was like anger and disgust. Yeah. And it, it was very like...
0: Well, do you mind if I speak?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, You know, I look at that and I, I look at my own emotional response to it. And it's like, you're my friend. I care about you. And to know that this guy was like harassing you and assaulting you, like touching you while you walked by, like that's... That's assault, like that's the sexual assault. You yeah, know I mean? it's at like, work
1: to be like behind somebody and like touching them, it's yeah, weird.
0: Yeah, it, it, it triggers disgust and anger in myself too. And it's like, I don't know exactly what his intentions were. Like I said earlier, like is he really a guy with bad intentions? Is he a guy who would actually harm you in any way beyond the harassment, obviously. But you know, what if that guy's only problem is the fact that he doesn't know what to do. And this is like the only thing he can think of. That like when he's walking by you and like his hands trace your back. Is that what you mean?
1: You like place his hand on my lower back.
0: Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, so, or on my side. Yeah.
1: That's a, a classic move. A classic That's a classic move. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when I mentioned it before, you, your face is like, <laughs> oh yeah, of course. And... Yeah. And it's like, you know, I guess exactly. And like my, in my own you know, in in my own experience with that, that was like literally because that's what I thought I had to do. It's like if I put my hand on her then she will know I'm interested in, then she'll do the next thing, right? Ball's in your court. Mm-hmm. And so like, again, maybe this guy is actually a dangerous person or maybe he that's like literally all he knows how to do, right? And so it's like as violating as that experience with this guy must have been, how does that possibility change how you perceive that?
1: Well after having this conversation yeah I can see that the issue is is much deeper and that's that's really and that's easier mm. for me to do with all this distance yeah. from the experience right sure. and it's not like it's never none of this is to say that the reaction of anger and disgust isn't valid for of sure. course it is for sure know? and yeah. you know I I talked to my boss after that and she was like luckily I mean I hope she would have dealt with it anyway but it was in a period where he was just hired anyway. So it was kind of easy to just like
0: probation. Yeah. It was like, you're not
1: going to work here. Sorry. Um,
0: Like it doesn't. Yeah.
1: Okay. I just, it's so hard to talk about because it's like, I don't
0: know.
1: Yeah. I like I feel compassion right now. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. that's hard to say because it feels wrong to say that.
0: Yeah. Especially when you're the one who experienced this mm-hmm. harassment.
1: Mm-hmm. And knowing that it is so much worse in other situations, you For know, because sure. like, yeah. like I said, it was dealt with relatively swiftly and it was a few things that I'm not trying to diminish it, but it wasn't like he, I was like severely violated or attacked by this yeah. person, you know, like yeah. I, I was creeped out and I was disgusted, but I shook it off and moved on with my life. Sure. You know, it could be so much worse. And that's why I think it's hard to talk about having compassion for people yeah. that just don't know. But that's what yeah. we have to have.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. And it's it's very, very difficult because like, I don't think we should get in the trap of diminishing what you experienced. Mm-hmm. Right. And you kind of, you say that, okay, it wasn't that bad in the grand scheme of things, but it's like, don't diminish it. It was mm-hmm. still... horrible thing it was still like you you shouldn't have to have experienced that Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and so it makes it very very difficult like you said to be able to say to have the both and to be able to say the harassment is horrible it shouldn't happen and we need to fix it but also having compassion for this person and saying wow maybe he just thought that's how you do it and he was so deluded and so uneducated that that's the only thing he could do Mm how do we how do we approach that person mm-hmm. cuz you have all the right to your anger and your disgust and your feeling of violation and yet you also want to salt like help this person so that they don't do that to people again mm-hmm. not merely for the benefit of the people he might harm but for him mm-hmm. as a human being yeah and so it, it it's it speaks to how complex this issue is and how how difficult this this landscape is to navigate where we have these two sides of the issue and privileging one over the other could lead to more issues in the future because if we privilege your experience as the person who was harassed then we're not actually fixing the problem and if we privilege his issue over yours well then we're saying that you don't have the right to feel violated Mm -hmm. i mean the whole me too movement was a great thing for that purpose that women were being violated and it was a serious problem that needed to end
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right and so I mean, it's complex. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Both sides are valid and and they need to be taken into account for what they are. Yeah. And I I think that is like the biggest conflict or the biggest criticism when it comes to cancel culture in any domain of life. Is that like, what do we do with these people? Like, where do they go? Because they're not dead and they're still going to go out interacting with people. It's like we need solutions. We need to be aware of all the problems that are happening in our society yeah. and give a voice to the victims. And But there needs to be a path forward. Where, where's the rehabilitation of these things? Right. Mm-hmm. Especially when we're seeing them at such a large scale. Like if we had a whole Me oh, Too yeah. movement where thousands, of, <laughs> I don't know how many women came yeah. forward with examples, you know, like that one and others being violated like this. And it's like, well, clearly that's pointing to a huge problem with, men and their their knowledge of how to navigate that world
0: so moving on though uh, that's a bad segue <laughs> moving on from that <clears throat> and so when we really consider the solutions that might exist you know one counter argument that i can think of is that i'm approaching this as if men are the ones who are always going to be chasing women Right? It's men who have to learn these skills, and women are always going to be the passive recipients of male attention, whether good or bad. Again, I think there are evolutionary reasons for this. I'm not going to go into that here, but some interesting books on the matter are Red Queen by Matt Ridley, uh, The Evolution of Beauty by Richard Prum, and Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan. These are three different perspectives that I think make for a very nicely rounded understanding of evolutionary theory. However, I, I, like I alluded to before, I think this is only one perspective. Often I find that people who invoke evolutionary theory often simply reduce everything to evolutionary theory. It's like they'll say something like, oh, ancient humans would have had men chasing women. Therefore, we can only ever have men chasing women today. That's not false, but it's only a partial truth. We as humans are far more than just our evolutionary biological history. That's only one perspective of the very many perspectives that we can bring to bear on this issue. So if we can have a sexual landscape in which women chase men, or even get rid of the idea of either chasing the other to have a more collaborative landscape, why am I not highlighting that? I think the primary reason is that women are slut-shamed. The easy answer is, okay, then let's stop slut-shaming women. The issue is that it's just more complex than that. I think part of the solution needs to include that slut shaming ends, right? Of course. <laughs> I <Yeah>. believe that. <laughs> I think that pickup, again, the more like positive elements of it, really speaks to that and tries to teach men why they shouldn't slut shame. The issue though is that we as a society still do. Mm-hmm. And it's not simply men slut shaming women, it's women slut shaming women, and often enough, women slut shaming themselves. You know, one of the biggest reasons that a woman might give for not sleeping with a man she is actually interested in is that she's afraid of being perceived as a slut by someone, including herself. And so for example, one thing you'll learn in pickup is that when you meet a woman at a nightclub, you need to make friends with her friends. You need to show them who you are, that you're a cool guy, plus 10 if you're actually a cool guy, to essentially get, <laughs> to essentially get them to like you. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is that you want them to be on your side so that they are actually motivating the woman you're interested in to go with you. And again, if you're actually a cool guy, then this is a good thing for everyone involved. The guy gets a cool girl, the girl gets a cool guy, and the friends get to know that they help their friend find a cool guy. And so this alleviates any sort of shame that women might believe exists. Because again, her friends may actually shame her, but she may simply believe that they will, and that's enough to prevent her from going with you until her friends explicitly try to help the both of you get laid. Now this dynamic does not exist on the other side. No man is ever going to prevent one of his friends from getting laid by shaming him for sleeping around. And no man is ever gonna let the fear of that happening prevent him from getting laid. Obviously, barring an extreme circumstance, of course. This is where that difference in how we sexually shame men and women comes in. Despite the fact that we shame men who sleep around as manipulative, in the specific case, a man is not shamed, whereas a woman is. So case by case, men are not shamed as much as a woman, but if we look at a man who does sleep around a lot, we shame him. Does that distinction make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so again, the dynamic between men and women in our society is just so different that primarily we have to teach men how to be skilled at navigating this territory in a way that we just don't have to teach women. When we believe that sex is something a man takes from a woman rather than a fun experience they create together, we often teach women how to prevent it from being taken or to be better able to select the man that she allows to take it. This dynamic is embedded deep within our biology, our culture, our social institutions, and ourselves. Yes, we need to change this, but we also need to teach men specifically these skills in a way that we still wouldn't have to teach women, even if we did change the dynamic itself. Maybe a generation later we might, but currently that is not the problem we need to solve.
1: It's interesting because what I'm, what's coming up for me as like a solution is that like, we really have to stop. Uh, we need to stop being against each other, understand the other side, see it as complex, and then work together to create a collaborative experience. But that's not really put on women at all. Like, there's mm. nothing we have to learn because yeah. it just happens to us. It's, like, it's interesting because it, it, it's different for women. You know, like I, yeah. like I'm never going to go up to some guy. And hit on them and try to make their friends like me. (laughs) You know, I'm just never going to do that. Why wouldn't you? That's complex, you know, like, why (laughs) wouldn't I? Good question.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, because like, I don't feel like I have to because guys (laughs) just come to me. Yeah. And I, and from that, I choose if I go with them or not. But then also like that cultural narrative that I've been a part of my whole life is like, oh, I prefer it if a man came up to me and talked to me. Like, I don't want to... That wouldn't make me feel the kind of feminine that I want to feel like if I had to go up to some guy and try to get... And also, that just wouldn't happen. I wouldn't have to try to convince someone to say
0: something. Either they
1: want to and it's going to be obvious or not, you know? Yeah.
0: That's the funny thing that, like, (laughs) any time a girl talks about how she's afraid to go up to a guy, I'm like, have you seen men? Like, have you any experience with men at all? Like... (laughs) You wouldn't have to convince a guy to like you. Like, he mm-hmm. just probably just would. Yeah. You know? And again, I'm sure there are counterexamples to this, of course. Of course. But in general, even if women did go up to men, they would probably have an easier time of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, and the problems, that, problems that would come up with that on the female side would be, like, our own insecurities. Yeah. And that, like, cultural conditioning. Because like you said, like, with slut shaming, it's most often, like, it's not any outward thing anymore so much. I'm sure it still exists, but it's, sure. it's not like this this real thing that exists out yeah. here. It's in our minds yeah. and it's, it goes so much deeper than just the cultural narrative. Oh, we're going to stop slut-shaming now. Slut-shaming is done. It's like, no, yeah. it still exists in my psyche. Like my whole sexuality was built upon like, eh, I can't be too sexual or if I do this, people are going to think that's bad, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like dealing with all of those layers but yeah, it's just, it's just, it just doesn't seem like the, something that women have to learn. It's mm. not honest at all. But like, m-
0: but then if you're, if you're also thinking about the men that you would be approaching, <laughs> there are creepy men out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you don't know who are the creepy men until they try to approach you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the fact that men approach women acts as a filter to get those creepy men out. Because number one, most men who would approach you, there's gonna be a larger portion of those guys who know how to talk to women than creepy guys. And then of those people, within the first couple seconds, you probably know which ones are creepy and which ones are a little bit more confident. And within a minute, you know even more. And within two minutes, you know even more. And so within the first two minutes of a guy approaching you, you've already filtered out most creepy guys. Not always, of course. But if you approach a guy and you put in the effort uh, on the front end, you're far less able to identify which guys are creepy or not. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So it's like, it's, again, it comes back to like, that, that strategy might actually be the best strategy given the fact that in our landscape, there are creepy men. And given in our landscape, we do view sex as something a man takes from a woman. And it's not simply like, women view men as this, it's that men also look at it like that. There are literally men who view sex as something they take from you. And it's like, that's not a guy that you want to hook up with. You want to hook up with a guy who has like this collaborative frame in mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so again, it's like this strategy that we have is the maybe the best way to approach this, but there are going to be unintended consequences to that strategy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the answer is not to get rid of the strategy. The answer is, could be, to teach men how to get better at navigating with that strategy. Mm -hmm. But we have to stop shaming men for trying to get better. Mm -hmm. Right?
1: And we have to improve the ways in which we teach men to get better.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. But another criticism is, um, you know, whether or not women are obligated to be creeped out by men. And this is what we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, then, if we have a bunch of men who are learning out how to date women, you know, they're going to creep out some women. If we want to solve this problem, does that mean that, like, we must allow women to be creeped out by such men who are learning these skills? And it also implies that we have a bunch of men running around randomly approaching women in order to get better at talking to women. Mm -hmm. I don't think women are obligated in any way to do anything when it comes to men getting better at talking to women. In fact, if we were to say that they had any sort of obligation, then that would defeat the purpose because then the men aren't really learning how to talk to women in the real world. They're learning how to talk to a woman who feels obligated to be kind or understanding or anything else. Women are not obligated to do anything. This is not their issue. It is men's responsibility to improve their own skill at talking to women.
1: Yeah. But how are they going to improve that without talking to women and creeping out women?
0: You see the complexity of the issue. (laughs) It's
1: so so complex. And also, like, like, no, no woman is obligated. And like, yeah, I hate that too. Like, I don't want to feel obligated to talk to some guy just because he decided to practice on me. He chose mm. me on the street and uh, now I'm standing there like oh god, listening Lucky to their you. little spiel and like I was on my way somewhere. I have to go. Yeah. But and, like that's like an individual case by case basis but like seeing it at a broader level like we all have an obligation to each other as a collective to like help bring everybody up. Not on these individual basis but like and like not saying that any woman has an obligation to be creeped out by man. But, you know, you say this is, this is men's issue, but it's like, it's women's issue too. Yeah, Men's issues are women's issues. Women's issues are men's issues. You know, just like feminism, like men, like that's, that's the whole point of anything. How any progress is made in this world is like, we have to care about the other side. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And no, I don't think women are obligated to be creeped out by men, but it's complex. It's like, (laughs) yeah. There's no simple answer to any of this. It's really hard.
0: Like, I don't know how many times we have to say it. Like, (laughs) in no way, shape or form are either of us saying we have the solution because we understand how complex it is. And it's like, Mm. you know, you even say like we have an obligation to understand the other side and men's issues are women's issues and women's issues are men's issues. But again... If you start acting in a way where you're obligated and you're like, oh, this guy's approaching me, I'm gonna help him. Mm -hmm. He's not learning how to talk to you. Mm -hmm. He's learning how to like talk to a woman who's obligated. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's almost as if like the best thing you can do for a man is to keep up your defenses. Because through learning how to address the issues you might have and be still cool despite your defenses, so that you know, okay, this is a cool guy, you learn that he's actually a cool guy.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Right? And so again, it's so complex that. Even if you're okay with guys approaching women, that still doesn't mean that you just, like, act super cool with it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, is there something you wanted to say about that?
1: Yeah. Actually, yeah, because you're you're right. Because if somebody does, like, I have no obligation to any stranger on the street. Like, sometimes, you know, I don't have an obligation. I choose to be a nice person, like, man or woman. If someone comes and asks me for, like, the time or directions, I'll genuinely try to help them. Yeah, yeah. But... If I'm genuinely open to meeting people and a guy tries to speak to me, like, yeah, I try to keep an open mind and, and just be like, oh, like this person is trying to talk to me. And yeah, there are some defenses up and maybe those defenses are right. And maybe I should be like, like, I, yeah, I, I don't want to change that defense to be an obligation. Just like let them have their way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like if they are creepy, I'm going to be like, you're creepy and I'm going to walk away. But... And then that would be a lesson for them. Like, that would be helping them in that way. Because they're not... Like you said, they're not... They're not then allowed to continue being that way. Like, if they're genuinely dedicated to, like, being better, then they'll find a different way to approach women. Like, Mm. if that way didn't work for me, then maybe they're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't just, like... Maybe I shouldn't go talk to random women on the street, you know? Maybe that's not the way. Maybe I should go somewhere else where people are more, like, willing to talk to
0: somebody nightclubs are the yeah simple that. yeah exactly where you people
1: know. go out to socialize
0: but i have been in a 10-month relationship with a girl that i met on the street
1: yeah i mean yeah and that's that's not to say that it can't happen because some people some people are really willing like yeah. you know if you're walking down the street and you're like especially where you go like you definitely not like you're walking around in some like business district where everyone's on their way to work mm. it's like if you're like downtown by like a mall where people mm-hmm. are just hanging out that's all besides the point. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. I agree. I agree that, like, from this perspective... Because I think what I'm grappling with right now is, like, what is the proper way Yeah. to deal with people?
0: It's Again, it's so complex because... <laughs> because, again, like, we can't have a bunch of guys running around trying to talk to women all the time. No. You know, we, we just can't have that. Like, again, like you said, people are going to work. You're busy. You have shit to do. You're mm-hmm. trying to get... You're trying to fucking uh, make something happen with your own life. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And so it's like, you can't just say we're going to be freely sexual and freely open. And if a guy comes up to you to try to make something happen, you're going to be like, oh, wow, thank you. Or something like this. It's like society couldn't work like that. No. And so this is why it's so complex. Like we could say, okay, at a nightclub, that's where people go to like meet people. That's where people go to have fun. And it's more acceptable there okay, that's cool. We can, we can have guys go out and learn how to do stuff there, but maybe that's all we can do, but there's still going to be some guys who try to do it during the day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And so again, like I'm kind of just waffling there. Yeah. Really <laughs> I don't know but
1: what the point is.
0: I guess all I can really say about this little section of this podcast is like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking know <laughs> I don't either. Know. It's uh, hard.
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely don't feel like there isn't, it should be any individual obligation. Yeah. But I think it's just like a greater conversation of exactly. becoming aware of the other side.
0: Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I do have, to end this podcast, I do have three points that aren't necessarily changing or coming up with any, and aren't necessarily coming up with any uh, real like systemic solution of how we should change something. But more to... to address the feelings we have toward it. I think, firstly, what I would really advocate for is that we stop shaming men for being bad with women. Like, we've already talked about that. You know, if we create a society where men are, are simply expected to know exactly what to do, what to say and when it's appropriate to do these things, you know, by some magical thing, when they don't, we have created a situation in which they will lie to themselves and others in order to be seen as a guy who does know. The best way to not improve is to be too afraid to face the fact that you need to improve. I've made a lot of improvement in my own life and I'm sure I still creep women out or say the wrong thing or take a little too long to get the hint that she's not interested. I'm sure dating is complicated. It's okay to not know what to do all the time. Many men are simply terrified of being themselves around women because they're so afraid of being rejected, right? Like a lot of the times these manipulative nice guys that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast are actually only being manipulative because they believe these women wouldn't like the real them. This doesn't justify the manipulation, of course, but it does introduce reason to be empathetic and to remove toxic shame from our discourse about men who aren't good at talking to women.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. If there's a problem, we need to find solutions for it. Yeah. And shame just pushes things deeper down into a pile of repression that never gets to deal with. Dealed with, dealt, <laughs> dealt with. Dealt <laughs> with. Yeah. Um, I have a guy. Um, never mind. I don't know. Because I feel like when we, we, like you said, we've talked about this in the Stage Red podcast about like the nice guy. Yeah. And how it's insincere right. and manipulative because they're just trying to get something because they haven't accepted that they can just want sex for its own sake. Like yeah. they're putting on a friend to try to try get it. But I'm just, I'm just, like, genuinely curious because, like, I've, I've heard from men. It's almost, like, increasingly encouraged, though, to be, like, not manipulative, but, like, shitty. Like, guys, like, girls, like, assholes. Yeah. You know? And, like, guys are going to, like, start to actively reject the nice guy, even yeah. if they are genuinely nice. Like, I've had guys be <laughs> really sweet to me and do, like, genuinely kind and thoughtful things. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. Mm-hmm. And they're like no, I'm not, like, I don't want, no, don't like, they don't want to be seen like that. Yeah. yeah. But even though it came from a really genuine place and they really were just being thoughtful, yeah. they're like, I don't want to be seen as a nice guy. I got to be an asshole now, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, this is the, um, the white knight. Mm. The white knight is basically a nice guy, right? Mm-hmm. He's only doing it because he thinks that's what will get him the prize, the mm-hmm. princess. But the thing is, is that the white knight, the idea of the white knight has been corrupted, where any man who does something nice for a woman is a white knight. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's just like you said, they're vilifying the guy who does something nice because um, he's just doing something nice. Mm-hmm. That's obviously an issue. Because mm-hmm. we want, I want to do nice things for women, right? Like, I, I don't yeah. want everything I I do be like, for the purpose of, the transactional purpose of getting laid. Yeah. I want to just do nice things for people.
2: Yeah.
0: But I think the the issue comes in is that it's not being seen as sweet that's the problem. You can be a very sweet guy and still get laid. Mm-hmm. The issue is being able to be upfront about it, to be exciting, to be able to tease a woman. A nice guy or a white knight is incapable of teasing a woman because he's so afraid of saying something. It's like he he's so afraid of, of teasing a woman because he's afraid of like offending her making her uh, not like him, for example. It's like, Uh, I'll sell you to fuck off on a podcast or like do these things to you, right? And it's like a lot of guys would be afraid of being even that offensive because they're like, what if she doesn't like me if I say that, right? And it's like just the ability to be a little bit abrasive as a joke, that's what creates attraction. It's when you're just like sickly sweet all the time and you don't have any backbone. That's not attractive. Yeah. Does that distinction make sense?
1: That does, yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like wondering how that contributes to like yeah, guys, who are just genuinely kind, and like, this is kind of just a just a different issue of like, oh, like, cause you, you're a nice person. Thank you. <laughs> and you are obviously aware of all, all everything that we've just been talking about for the past however long. Right. But like, it's weird. I don't know. I've just I've just become aware of this, and it's like, do you guys actively repress that side of themselves because they don't want to be seen that way, even though
2: yeah, probably, women man.
1: actually would like like want genuine kindness yeah and we can recognize it too like yeah you know
0: again this is what happens when you don't allow people to get better with women Mm -hmm. when you shame it because then people hear about like this narrative that girls only like assholes and so they like just pick up this weird piece of advice and so they start being assholes thinking that's the thing Mm -hmm. when it's like that's not necessarily the case Right, the reason that assholes get laid more often is because they're more likely to be truthful with a woman or to show them their intentions. Mm-hmm. That's what's attractive. It's not that ass that that women like assholes. It's that women like upfront guys,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? But again, when we when we look at it, there's just that those are the guys who are more likely to do that. Yeah, because nice guys are too focused on trying to be nice to get what they want.
1: Mm, do you see? Yeah. Yes, I understand. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And this kind of brings us to the next point, where it's like we need to stop shaming men who try to get better with women. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Pickup can be an extremely toxic community. And like I said, it's the only community that is actively trying to solve this problem. If we shame men who try to get better, then how can we expect any of them to get better? If we shame the communities that try to help men to get better, then how can we expect these communities to be full of anything other than the most desperate or the most uncaring men? Learning to be better with women isn't exclusively about learning to be manipulative. Again, that's coming from the frame that sex is something a man takes from a woman. And thus, any skill that allows him to do that better is inherently manipulative. However, if we frame sex as a creative collaboration between two or more consenting adults, then we're going to open up the doors to skills that allow for a more respectful and fun collaboration. That's what pickup should be. We just have to allow it to become that. And so things like workshops where men can learn how to remove the downsides of being unskilled with women. A lot of the times, the creepy things that men do are simply things that they need to be taught not to do. Again, if, if we're shaming these workshops, the organizers, and the people who go to them, then how can we expect men to learn not to do these things?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or even learning how to deal with jealousy and rejection. I used to be very jealous and rejection was horrifying. Now I've been in multiple open relationships, and I'm actually more afraid of creeping a girl out than I am of being rejected. For example, I fear asking girls out from school because I'm afraid that she will think I'm going to make it weird in class just seeing her around at school. I'll just act as if it didn't happen, right? I took my shot, she said no. That's cool, let's act like adults. Mm -hmm. Men can be taught that. If I can learn it, other men can learn it. We just have to make it okay for them to not know this in the first place. And to be unashamed to go to places where they can learn this.
1: Mm, That's really interesting about like the whole like school thing too, or and just like you knowing you can take rejection, like that you you're not afraid of rejection. But on the other end, like women are afraid of how you're going to take rejection.
2: For sure, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: Like oh yeah, he's gonna make it weird, or oh I'm gonna like we're in class together, and now I have to decide if I like if i by saying no i'm going to make it weird for yeah, yeah 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 you know? exactly and so it's complex fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but
1: we you know we don't trust that men are going to be like mature adults about it yeah and so we like dance yeah. around the issue or like oh how do i not hurt his feelings or something if well, it's someone that we genuinely think is like a good person yeah And have like a a, a mutual space with, whether that be class or work or something.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, an ex of mine actually uh, texted me today and she asked me for advice of how to let down a guy. And uh, I told her like, just be clear, be upfront. Don't say, oh, not right now. I'm just not interested. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times girls will will just say like, oh, right now it's not the best time, right? As a means of like, I'm not like rejecting him, but then I'm not, I don't have to deal with this right now. I get why girls do that. You're afraid that if you reject him outright, he's going to be like, oh, you fucking bitch. Like, I'll come to your house or some shit like that. Like, that's literally happened before. Like, women have had that happen to them where a the guy reacts violently to rejection. And so I get that, like, the fear is very obvious. And it's, so it's scary. But at the same time, if you give this guy a, a temporal thing where it's like, oh, not right now. Well then there's going to be some time that's not right now anymore and he's going to ask you again. <laughs>
1: kicking the can down the road. <laughs> kicking
0: the can down the road. It's like and so like I, I told her like just just be clear and upfront with him. Mm-hmm. You know, you like do the best that you can do to make it clear and if he reacts negatively, that's his issue. And again, I, I understand like I said that there's the fear of him being violent or or saying horrible things or talking about you behind your back and all these sorts of things. But I don't know for me personally I would much rather a girl just tell me outright I'm not interested mm-hmm. than go through all these weird ways of letting me down easily yeah right and so I don't really know what the right answer is but for me personally rejection up front is probably the better way yeah you know
1: yeah and I, I agree with that as like yeah. a, as a way forward in relationships. Like, I hate this idea of ghosting too. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, I'm just like, not going to talk to him or like, yeah, let him down easy. But then he, like the guys left, if he genuinely did something that you didn't like, and that's the reason you don't want to see him ever again. Well, he has no idea. And he might like yeah. continue to do that, whether it's like harmful or not. It's just like, Oh, well, you just didn't like that. Yeah. Or that just wasn't the way, or there was something about him that turned you off. Like it's hard to do, but that's how we help each other grow too. Yeah. You know, like I had an experience with a guy over a year ago now. This was <sighs> homie.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but basically he, he continued to text me.
0: You, you Were you clear up front?
1: No. Okay. So yeah, I wasn't clear up front. And I just was like, not responding with enthusiasm, hoping that he would get the point and not text me anymore. But he continued to text me over and over and over again. And I had to be very upfront and say, I'm not interested, please stop talking to me. Like it got to that point where it was a little abrasive. And he even I think I'm pretty sure he he asked like, why? Because I didn't tell him why I just said I'm not interested. But I'm like, okay, you asked. Yeah, let me tell you this is what was going on. Like, this is why I I wasn't, wasn't interested in you. And you kept talking to me and I was, you weren't catching on to these hints. Like I, I t- showed him where, like, obviously yeah. I wasn't being upfront, but I showed him what he could have seen. And in that way, I was like, I hope that helped him. Yeah. Like, I hope, I hope going forward, he can see like, oh, there's like, I should be more receptive to the other side Yeah. instead of just like, projecting myself onto them yeah but, you know
0: <laughs> from my perspective hints don't work yeah i mean you can say like oh guys should just learn to take hints and it's like they don't fucking work like yeah. just be upfront. <laughs> you know yeah. you can do all this work to like change the guy so that he understands what a hint looks like so that you can continue hinting <laughs> Or you can just be up front. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? yeah. Like, but yeah. I get that it's hard. Yeah. And it's scary. Exactly. And you yeah. don't know how he's going to react. Yeah. And so it's not as simple as just be upfront. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's not that simple. But um,
2: <laughs> it's just like, <laughs>
0: but but um, from my perspective too, it's, I, I would be so grateful of any woman who was like, this is the thing you did. Here are examples of you texting this thing. Please don't do that in the future. I'd be like, oh. Yeah. Thank you. Like, oh my yeah. God, you've done all this work for me. Like, yeah. I can do better now, right? Uh-huh. And like, I remember a few times I actually would ask girls and they'd say like, I'm not interested or that, that it would be obvious that they're not interested. I would get the hint eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, uh, I would ask them, oh, hey, like, that's totally fine. I totally respect that, like that you're not interested. Like, no worries. Was there something I did that made you feel uncomfortable? Like, I would just like to know for future reference. Uh, you're no way pressured to tell me, right? Mm-hmm almost word for word i'd say that they wouldn't respond or they would say it's not my place to say or give some other response like that and they would never mm-hmm. actually tell me mm-hmm. right and so even in those instances where i'm like directly asking like please help me do better they would just outright ignore me or not say anything and of course like i said you're not pressured to respond so of course but Again, even when I tried to ask, I didn't get that help, right? Yeah. And so it's like this idea of like men not being able to get better, that we can't help men get better. It's like, okay, well, then they never get better.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's really interesting. I think this is the point that I was trying to make earlier yeah. was that we had this whole section of like, what is the way forward for men? How yeah. do they educate themselves? And how how this this quality of men seeing sexual romantic relationships as a collaborative effort is such a good thing like we want that in men, yeah. but collaborative we're when like we yeah. put that on the men like what about women like we have to take responsibility too in, yeah. in making it a collaborative effort it's like if i want a man to be less creepy then i have to be willing to tell them when they're creepy yeah. and why they're creepy yeah. and, you know it's like a, a mutual education so that we yeah. can all get better and have more fulfilling relationships
0: and that's kind of like What i was talking about before where like if we if we let go of this shaming of men who are bad well then that's going to open the door for men who are bad to be told that they're bad without it being a shameful thing Mm
2: -hmm.
0: so one solution potential solution is number one get rid of the shame like i said number two teach men to be able to take advice from the woman that they fuck up with essentially and then teach women to be able to give that advice in a way that lands. Yeah. If we do those three things, again, easier said than done, of course. <laughs> way easier said it's than done, of course. just those three things. But those three things are potential solutions. That if we if we inculcate a, a, an ability to take, uh, to take rejection and advice in men and a willingness to give rejection and advice from women, that would do amazing things. Mm-hmm. Again, easier said than done. (laughs) Easier said (laughs) than done. Yeah, of course. Was there more that you wanted to say or? No, that's all. Okay. And so finally, we have to stop shaming sex. Whether it's men having a lot of sex or women having a lot of sex, shaming it doesn't help the situation. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Right? Whatever your specific morals are surrounding sex, be it about casual sex, non-committal sex, polyamorous sex, or sex exclusive to monogamous relationships, Mm -hmm. adding shame, just makes for a more shameful sexual landscape. You know, like if if we want a healthy sexual landscape, we need to stop pumping more shame into it. Shame is, toxic shame is unhealthy. You know, we've tried that for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and it has not worked, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, A a very recent example and a very powerful example is uh, it was a report that was released in France. And over the past 70 years, I believe it was something like 3,000 priests were caught molesting hundreds of thousands of children. So these men who are upholding this this traditional idea of sexual discipline, of how we're supposed to deal with the sexual landscape, are the very ones doing some of the most heinous sexual crimes that exist. Clearly this sexual repression, sexual shame strategy doesn't fucking work. And so letting go of our shame doesn't mean that, you know, we dive headfirst into the most unhealthy manifestations. It just means we stop using shame to cover up what we should be able to talk about in the open, where we can actually make sense of it. That includes not knowing how to talk to women or to men or to anybody else. Just talk about it in the open.
1: Honesty. To be honest about where we're at with it. Mm -hmm. To be honest about not knowing. It's not something that we can just get. For sure. Because it's really complex and we all have all of this shame, even though I feel like as a society we're trying to work out of that, it's still in us and it's still coming out in all these 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 subtle ways or not so subtle ways in some cases.
0: And that just increases the shame.
1: Yeah, exactly. If we truly want to work into like a, a sexually liberated landscape, because I feel like that has been the ideal for for some generations now or in, to different degrees, you know, mm. We need to be able to talk about these things. Yeah. Because you know, just liberation and and like, to just let go of shame, it doesn't work like that. You know, we've yeah. said that a few times throughout this. Like, oh, just get rid of the shame. What does that mean? <laughs> How do you get rid of the shame? Yeah, yeah. You do it through having these conversations. Sure. For being open in this way and understanding the complexity of it. Yeah. Understanding that it's not simple, but there are ways forward. We just have to have compassion.
0: We do. Yeah. You know, we we need to let go of this idea of retribution and start looking at rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the, the, the need to get retribution for some wrong done, I mean, makes so much sense. Like, I have a niece and nephew. If I consider what it would feel like to know that they were, you know, abused in any way or murdered or something like this, I mean, I would want retribution done on those people, right? I would want the prison guards to tell the other prisoners what they did so that the prisoners can fuck that person up right Mm -hmm. and yet i can look at that and be like does that make you any better than them Mm -hmm. does that solve the problem does that like does putting more hatred and and punishment and shame and and violence in the world solve the problem of violence it's like no Mm -hmm. obviously Mm -hmm. as much as i would want retribution for what that person did rehabilitating that person is going to do far more to help society become a better place. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. It's very hard to do that, to to be, to to, to approach such emotionally jarring situations from that perspective. But at least as far as I can see, that's the way we have to do it. Mm -hmm. If we want change to happen, positive change.
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Good. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so we come to the end of the podcast. Is there anything else you you feel you would like to add to the conversation, or
1: hmm, nothing that's coming up right now? okay But I really appreciate this conversation.:
0: Yeah, thank you for receiving it. I'm really glad that we were able to uh create something that I think is really important yeah, together here.
1: Yeah, and I hope for everyone listening that it just like opens your mind to yeah. To the complexity of this issue. And, yeah. you know, we're not putting forth any clear answers <laughs> here because we really can't. Yeah. It's a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation that needs to continuously be had. It's a collaborative effort. It's a collaborative <laughs> effort. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for making it through what may be our longest podcast yet. Really? Um, yeah, we're at two hours and thirty six minutes.
1: Holy shit, no way.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's gonna be edited down, but uh-huh. we'll see how long it gets. But however long it is, thank you so much for sticking around. I hope it was valuable. Thank you so much for the support you give our podcast. Um, if you like this podcast, please be sure to like it on the apps you're using. Uh, share with your friends, get this message out there. If you think it's important,
1: mm-hmm. help us out. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Help help each other help out. Help each other, it's yeah. It's a Have collaboration
1: have the conversation with each other
0: yeah yeah Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. okay okay have a good
2: day bye